Lucky you. 36 best holes in golf. Alternate Shots Podcast. Barney's Army. Where we talk about golf. Sandy. Poker. James Bond. Horse racing. Double. Classic movies. Zenyatta. We have no script. Down the stretch they come. We are glad you joined us. Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. (laughs) So, Billy, we are back. We have been on, uh, what, sabbatical for a little while. You with your throat. Me with whatever Easter was in there. We're 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 here again. What do you think? I'm back. I'm all ready for the season. I don't know what to do first. Go to the casino, go to the golf course, or go to the racetrack. But all three of those things will be in my repertoire. We're looking at the old welcome to Las Vegas, black and white. So we're gonna be talking about the big casino. We're gonna be talking about casino hosts because we've known some hosts we've known high rollers and higher rollers and whales and we're going to tell some stories about that but i like to go back in time a little bit uh because vegas has changed so much in just my 40 some odd year association with vegas i know you go back deeper what are your early earliest thoughts of your first trip to vegas was it black and white or was it color when you went it was color and it it was funny because i knew that um this is long before ATMs and credit lines. I, you know, I was pretty young and I went with a friend. We were going to go see a boxing match and we stayed at the Las Vegas Hilton. And I had another friend of mine. I, I, I prepped him for this. Wire me. I guess there was a way to wire to the casino. My second day there, 50 bucks in case I ran out of my first 50 bucks the first day. <laughs> you really, you ran really with the wads of cash, didn't you? <laughs> yeah. What and was- I saw something there, my, my first trip there that is indelibly marked in my brain and is a message to everybody out there when it comes to the Las Vegas casinos. I drove past, I was in a cab, we were going from uh, Circus Circus back to the Las Vegas Hilton or vice versa, I don't remember which. And there was a big neon sign in front of a diner, biscuits and gravy, 25 cents. Wow. And I was like, holy mackerel. But I realized, you know what, that place might be crowded. Yeah. And that's when, you know, and by the way, when did you ever have biscuits and gravy that wasn't good or wasn't? No, it's it's good. But obviously it's that was for the, you know, people who had shot their watch. Like a friend of mine once said, I went to Vegas in a, you know, $22,000 Oldsmobile and I came back in a $240,000 Greyhound bus. Yeah. 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 Well, that's the other thing is, um, you know, we've done this before where you have to stuff away some money in your shoe we'll yeah, the, about yeah. that, that Atlantic City trip at one point in time. But you mentioned Circus Circus. So I'm just going to say to people watching this, if you remember the movie and we love James Bond, don't we? Bond, yeah. And Joe Sean, St. John. Connery, Sean Connery was in Diamonds Are Forever, wasn't he? Yep. With Jim, Jimmy Dean and Jill St. John. Jill St. And, uh, and uh, some of that was shot at Circus Circus. And Circus Circus, their their catch was it was literally like a circus going on above the, the, That's the it. table. That's it. Trapeze acts. Yeah. It was like going in the big top in Madison Square Garden and having crap tables lying around on the floor. Yep. <laughs> you could be playing a slot machine and an elephant's trunk could come over. I remember that. Uh, now, yeah, Jill St. John in that movie, my goodness, one time she comes in meeting Mr. Franks, right? The fake Yeah, Mr. Mr. Franks. Franks. The fake one, right? Mr. Franks yeah. didn't make it that far yet. And yeah, Bond was Mr. Franks at that point. Yeah. She came in as a blonde and she said, wait a minute, gave him the, the bourbon glass. 
took his fingerprints and came out as a redhead. Yeah, she came out as a redhead. The gimmicks, the gimmicks in that movie was going back into the early 70s, maybe, right? Oh, yeah. Yep. Is that when you went made it to Vegas? I'm gonna say it was, yeah, early 70s. Early 70s. 71, maybe. So if you went to 50 bucks, what were you planning to do with that big wad of money? At that time, that was a big wad of money for me. Um, I was going to play roulette. I was pretty sure if I played the right numbers, I'd win money. And, that, you know, anybody who's ever played roulette, if you don't pull the trigger and you sit there and watch the wheel and you think I would bet, you know, I put a dollar on number five, but you don't and the five comes up, it can be pretty frustrating. So I ended up losing my 50 bucks, but my my buddy, uh, who's still my friend, he's actually my my partner in the um, member guest at our club, you know, wired me the, the $50 emergency fund the second day. We were only going to be there two days. And I think it was Wilfred, Wilfredo Benitez was the uh, was fighting that night, some kind of lightweight or light heavy, light middle or something like that championship fight. And I never actually made it to the fight. We watched it in our rooms. Um, but I, you know, I learned a lot. I might, you know, I got my, I got my feet wet and I realized biscuits and gravy, 25 cents aren't far away. You've probably built up credit in a casino. That's something I've never done on purpose, on purpose. And I remember if you didn't have a friend that could wire you the money, there was this, uh, thing is phone. You could call up and you can get money on your credit card, credit card yeah. and the, the, Interest Cash advance, yeah, nine percent, fifteen percent. Yeah, it was big. It was big. Remember, it's the seventies, so interest rates were big back then too. But as I got as I, as I got to know the city a little better, uh, I learned some stuff. And what I, I what I eventually did, and, and I, I I came on to the Desert Inn. I learned about the Desert Inn, and it was the best place of all the places I ever stayed. Uh, I became a, very attached to the Desert Inn because they had a golf course. It was smaller. And, and I read some books about uh, one called Behind the Tables that would tell you stories that were written by dealers and, and uh, you know, croupiers and experienced Vegas guys. And I learned how to get some comps, quote yeah. unquote, the free stuff in Vegas, which costs you a fortune. So I, I did. I established a credit line at the Desert Inn, which meant that, the, you know, I could take out markers and for anybody who doesn't know what a marker is, it's basically a personal check. So you sign for whatever the amount of money is and you pay it back before you leave or after you leave. But if you don't pay it back, they're going to stick it in your bank as if it's a check. And if the money's not there, you got some issues. You've just bounced a check to uh, Las Vegas. And that's not something that's, uh, throughout history that's something you want to do you don't want vegas guys chasing you for money they're a little bit more sophisticated about it when, when in the years i'm talking about than they were back in the benny binion days but they still come after you for that money and what'd you figure you had about a week maybe two weeks if you yeah. were well known to pay back the marker if you were a really big per whale then you had to pay it back before you went the next time and they figure you're yeah. every two weeks they're, they're, they're gonna get it one way or the other yeah <clears throat> You know, but I, I, for the most part, there might have been one or two trips where uh, I left town without paying it, but I usually paid it back before I left if I used it. And the only reason I really used it was for backup. 
Um, plus it ended up, you know, once I had that credit line established, this is the way Vegas used to think. And, you know, I think the new casinos have a different look at all of this, but they knew that if I had access to 10,000 bucks or 15,000 bucks or 5,000 or whatever it is, they want me there. So it's free rooms and everything else, because they know sooner or later, if it's not this trip, it'll be the next trip. I'm going to dip into that money and they're going to end up getting it one way or the other. So that's all they wanted was, was to know that, the, that you had access to some cash and you were in a casino. Nature right. takes care of the rest and the, and the Vegas rules, of course, because every game in Vegas is stacked in the house's favor, every single game. There are points in some of the games where, where the, uh, where the odds favor the the player, but overall, nope. That's right. Well, what are they giving you anyway? If if they have four thousand rooms, or let's say the Desert Inn had five hundred rooms, and there were only four hundred booked, they might as well give you the room. It's yeah. a thing for them. That room evaporates the next day if it's yeah. not used. And the same and thing. The, and the hundred fifty bucks that it would cost to stay there is, you know. Right down there on the blackjack table. So, so going back to, you know, the ATMs and stuff like that. So that cash phone call you could make, that was how I did it. Or your friend would loan you a hundred or whatever. I wasn't playing right. a lot of money, but the, the first big casino I went to was 1978 uh, resorts international Atlantic city. And it was the only casino and right. it was owned by Merv Griffin who everything he did turned to gold. And yep, everything. I walked in, it was the, um, well, the Kentucky Derby weekend, that's the weekend we're talking about here. And we walked in and every slot machine had eight to 10 people deep. I'm talking about people standing behind, let's say you were playing the slot machine, eight or nine or 10 people were behind that person, waiting for that person to leave. Want to make an argument machine. for supply and demand, there it is. Yeah, and so that was a gold mine because in, in any casino, volume is what they want because they cap each game the only game that's kind of not capped right is um, is craps, right? You can get a bad run at craps, right? But roulette, you can get you can get true odds on a craps table. So, but but dice are dice. Yeah, they'll give you four hundred and one odds, and they'll give you big odds in Vegas. They won't do that everywhere. But by let's say you your pass line bet, a lot of people put twice the money or whatever it is, and you bring your odds against you down. But if the more you put up on that odds bet. You're basically eliminating the house advantage down to almost break even. Um, well, if you're going to play craps the right way, if you're going to play, the, you know, the pass line, you don't you don't make a full wager on the pass line. You wait for the point, and then you make make a wager behind the pass line. Because let's say you put a hundred dollars on the pass line, the guy throws a six, and then he makes a six. So before he throws a seven, you win a hundred bucks. But if you put 25 on the pass line, the guy throws a six, and then you put 100 behind, and, he's, and he makes his point, you're going to get the 25 there, but you're going to get the, I said six, make it a nine. You're going to get nine to five if it's a, if the point's a nine on the back line bet. Right. So it's kind of insane to just bet the, the pass line and not bet behind the line. You can tell gamblers, and you can tell people that just want to action, and, and they don't care about their money. When Absolutely. Those out, guys are playing the hard ways. Or, yeah. There's any crafts, yo 11 for 2015 well, to one or whatever it is. Well, the obvious rookie in a casino in a craps game is they put their 50 bucks on the pass line and they don't back it up with odds or 
I've seen this and you've rooted for green, even though this is when I take my money off of the roulette table because I never played green, the zero or the double zero. No, me neither. But never, th those to me were mean numbers. Yeah. So I'd have somebody come up and they'd put a hundred on black and a hundred on red. I said, hold on a second to the pit uh, to the dealer. I pulled <laughs> my money off and I rooted like hell for one of those green to come in because yeah. <laughs> I thought they had an even money bet. <laughs> yeah. You don't. And and the even if even if it was, the, they're know. only gonna they're not gonna win anything, no matter no, what. No. The no. only thing they can do there is lose. So I said, go have either breaking even or losing. Go have your sixteenth drink because the fifteenth drink that you just had didn't make any. Yeah, it didn't pa make you pass out. So back to the <laughs> resorts. I remember no, was it resorts? I think it was. Yeah, we went, and I remember everybody went oh, and that was when they put an ATM machine in the casino and it was just outside. So there's a pit, right? There's an yep. area around the crap table, around the roulette table and there the blackjack table. Those are the pits, right? Yep. We'll get to that in more detail, but there's a whole system behind the pits, depending on which game you're playing just outside the pit area where you can walk around was an ATM. Now I think they put them anywhere they want to, but I'm like, Oh, wow. 10 feet away is access to more money. That's a slippery slope, right? Yeah, well, now they have virtual cashiers, so you can cash tickets or get cash advances or whatever. You know, it's it's literally like its own little um, teller. Yeah, and they do that because they want to cut out the uh, ATM vendor. They want to well, cut plus out- Plus the slot bank. machines, yeah. you know, slots were originally silver dollars, and then somebody figured out why are we getting real silver dollars? We can go to tokens. The same basic weight and size of silver dollars, and then they went to paper. So now you get a, a paper voucher when you win. The first but interestingly time. enough, back in in the in the early days of Vegas, when when Benny Benyon Benny Benyon it was was is historical in Las Vegas, and it wouldn't be what it is today if not for him or someone like him, because when he arrived there and he came from Texas and he was there's all kinds of backstories about Benny Benyon, but he's the first guy that raised the limits. The mob controlled Vegas when he got there and they had $50 limits on everything because they didn't want to get beat by anybody. And and uh, Benny raised the limit. But what he did was very smart. He's, it, it was it was not a standard limit um, for anybody. It, you established your own limit and your limit was whatever your first bet was. So right. if you bet $100 on your first bet, that was your limit. If you bet a million on your first bet, that was your limit. And he would take either one of those bets. Very interesting. The mob tried to stop him doing it, but they weren't tough enough for Benny Binion. So he he won that fight. And there was a story about a guy who lost so much money and he didn't have it. And the guy was a, uh, a carpet uh, salesperson. He had a carpet company. So Benny, Benny got paid in carpet. He was the first casino to have rugs put down in the casino. Everybody had sawdust on the floor back then. And this guy didn't have the 2000 or 2500 or whatever it was he lost. So he paid him off by carpeting the casino. It's interesting how that started. A lot, a lot of car that's a lot of carpeting back in those days. Back in those days. And, you know, and, and Benny started comps. You know, he thought everybody would, everybody deserved a good drink, good food, good gamble. That, that was his model, all three of those things. Even the small time guys would, would get treated like that there. Very, very, very instrumental in the development of Vegas. What do you think about comps? Are comps uh, 
those are free things that quote unquote free things that casino gives the gamblers. Do you think that's good for the gambler uh, or bad for the gambler? Or it doesn't matter. I think it's good for them because there's a difference between a guy who actually deserves the comps. And those are usually pretty competent gamblers, unless they're just crazy rich guys who throw money around, you know, and those guys are like, give me a free room and a really expensive bottle of champagne. And I don't care if I lose a hundred grand, but most people, today and then that understand the game would be like i you know i'll play a certain level a certain amount of money certain number of games and i expect a room or free round of golf or you know i don't want to pay for my own food you know it's a fair exchange if if it's not misused but to 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 purposely aim at getting comps is is pretty silly if your intention is to do something in order to get a free room or a free bottle of champagne, it doesn't work. It's gonna cost you more than that. And the comps never are never more than the losses. But you might, you very might come back to that. that. You might come back to that when it comes to poker, which is a different thing. Different game altogether, poker yeah. comps and stuff like that, you might want to push a little bit for the poker comps because you're giving a less money away to the house. You're not playing the house in poker. Ninety nine percent of the, no, the, the poker the comps, you're playing against the, the competitors that you're at the table with. Right. But the casinos gamble. They, their bet on the poker comps is that they're they're guessing and they're usually right that the poker player won't just play poker. Right. But they'll give them a the free room and they'll give them the free food or entry to a lounge, a VIP lounge or whatever like that. Because they know between the poker room and the lounge or the room, you got to get through a lot of slot machines, roulette wheels, craps tables, and blackjack tables. And most guys, poker players are not. When, when they're in there, they have, they're, you know, they're susceptible to those. You ever met a poker player that didn't play on the green felt upstairs? No. No. Sooner or later, you know, they take that. Poker's a grind. So the professional poker players, even the poker players that are, low-level professional players every now and then get sick of sitting there eight hours to win you know three thousand bucks they'll go to the pit and play blackjack the plumber yeah, for instance for the guy i know at the mohegan sun yeah he he's hilarious he, he he tells the story about how he was killed at poker bad beat he went to his wife he says give me 10 grand and she's like you, you're gonna gamble it away he said no 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 i, I just poker i'm just gonna play poker with it so she gave him the 10 grand he says, I went right to the pit, right to the blackjack pit, two hands, boom, gone, walking out of there. Who do I run into but my wife? She looks at me like I'm crazy. I, I looked at her, that's right, honey. It's gone, all gone. She's like, so that, that guy can make a living playing poker, but he couldn't resist trying to get even in one or two quick shots. Yeah, he, you know, that playing at a two five table, if he had an exceptional night and he played four or five or six hours, he might win three or four or five thousand dollars if he played yeah, and that's if, a, if he played seven or eight hands in five hours. Right. He so patiently, he only waited for premium hands. And here he goes upstairs in two blackjack hands. Boom. He loses twice what he would win in a session at poker. Right. But yeah. he was looking at it a different way, you know. He, you know, another guy tells a story about how he was up at poker doing real well. He was going to go get a haircut and he stopped at one of the tables. And before he knows it, he's, you know, 
he loses some money. He tries to get it back. Next thing you know, he's, he's down thousands of dollars. It's like the most expensive haircut I ever got. You know, <laughs> I lose 200. I try and get it back. Cost me three grand. So, well, one of my friends that took me to both Mohegan Sun. Well, I went with him and uh, so did an entourage of people. We'll call him a K. And uh, he'd never been to Mohegan Sun. And, and uh, I think we all got rooms by the strength of his comp, which was his record of playing blackjack in Vegas, was right. well known by the, by the credit people and the casino people at Mohegan Sun, who was trying to get more of those people to come to Connecticut that lived in New York or New Jersey or whatever. Yeah, especially when it was a new casino, because you couldn't establish a line or, or a history with them when it was brand new. Precisely. So we go there and he knows a lot about comps and uh, he got the best room on the top of the tower at Mohegan Sun. It's this huge villa. And he says, Bobby, I'm going to find out how big the comp is, how good the comp is. And I said, how are you going to do that? And he said, well, the butler just came by. Butler. <laughs> the butler, butler. Yeah. So when you're a big roller and you're playing, you know, six figure sessions for blackjack, you get a, you butler. Get a butler. Yeah. Butler, what's the butler do? He brings over, brings over the menu, the menu. Right. He says, I'm going to order. Now they, everything, everything in Vegas is double priced, right? If a steak at um, Smith Molinsky's is a hundred dollars, a lesser steakhouse in Vegas, it's going to be 200. Right. Or if a bottle of Chateau Margaux at my friend's house and he buys it for 400, he said on the menu it was eight or 900. He right. says, I ordered two of those. And I said, well, how will you know if the comp is good? He says, if they bring them. <laughs> Just as we we're talking about that, the butler comes in. Yep. You know, this butler, ding. Just, yep. Hey, we got this and open them up, blah, blah, blah. And so what was interesting about that gentleman, and he was a big roller for decades. And and uh, maybe didn't start out like that. Maybe started out small and then became a big roller, whatever it was in his life. And uh, he had a pretty good, best blackjack player I ever saw. Best blackjack player. He didn't play. He'd throw a number down, favorite number on a roulette wheel, but never sat at any point in time there. Right. Uh, he played blackjack. And what he taught me and he learned over the years, and this is something he did in his last 10 years as a high roller. He did everything he wanted to do. So if he went to Vegas, he'd wake up in the morning and go someplace and have a great breakfast or have it brought into the room. They would go out to Caesars Golf Course, Cascada, or the Mirage Golf Course, or the Wynn, or whatever, right? Play golf. Maybe play 36 holes. Yeah. Have lots of yucks there until the sun went down. Come back in. We'd go to the spa. We'd get a massage. They would give you a shower, you know, a steam bath, a shower. You know, they'd electro electrocute you, do everything to you so you feel good, right? Yeah. They you know, I think, you know, I don't think I ever had my nails done, but people did there. They do everything. You're feeling good. Now you go to dinner and they were treating you for dinner at the best steakhouse or Italian restaurant, whatever it was there. Right. Yep. At 11 o'clock. Now we're going to go gamble. And he would yep. sit down and play blackjack. You know, I think in the uh, Mohegan Sun of people have been there. The best restaurant at that time was Michael Jordan's. And it's oh, still the most good. expensive anyway. Yeah, most expensive. The quality is good there. I haven't been there in the last year or two, but back then it was pretty good. He was getting all the wine, blah, blah, blah. And we went and son of a gun, if he didn't sit down, you know, and uh, he plays a, a one, three, five, eight game. So a thousand a hand, three thousand five, eight. 
This time he went to 16 because he had won. What he did is he progressed. If he won at one, he went to three, yep. then to five, then to eight. And um, he might have stayed at eight a couple of times, took some money off. But this time he um, got to 16. 16. I think I told you the story. He got dealt a pair of eights. And in Vegas or in Mohegan Sun, a casino, you can split those. Right. So he splits the first eight. He gets a three. He doubles What's that. What's the dealer got? The dealer is showing a five. Yeah. Okay. So he's playing oh. whatever he's doing. He's just playing the dealer to bust. So he says to me when he gets an eight and the dealer turns over his card and it's his turn to bet. He's already got one bet up there. The dumb gambler would just leave the $16,000 up there. He says, Bobby, guys like me live for this moment where we're at the top end of our progression and it's legal to put more money down and you have an edge over And you have the edge on the, on the house. Yep. Long story short, he got six bets out there for $96,000. And the dealer pops 15, 25. The best bumps. hand he had was 14. Because yep. if he had eight and the dealer gave him a seven, he couldn't do anything with that. He right, gotcha. Yep. He had six $16,000 bets, so almost $100,000. The dealer, uh, the best hand he had was 14, I think it was, and the dealer broke. Right. So you learned a lesson there. And then you're not playing, you're not playing your hand there, you're playing the dealer. That's it. You're, In blackjack, you, you're just assuming the down card of the dealer is a 10. You just play every hand like the dealer's got a 10 underneath. There's a reason that you can play blackjack on a computer, and it's one of the first games that ever was on a computer probably 40 years ago. They had those little things you could do because it's all programmatic. Uh, you know, anybody that knows the blackjack rules, you 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 press up when you have that opportunity like he did. And I learned a lesson. I learned a couple things. First of all, we were together the whole day, breakfast. We went to play 36 holes of golf. We went and had a, you know, had a nice dinner and all that. He said, do everything you want to do. And then you go do your gambling at the end. He wasn't there 45 minutes. Yeah. So, so he took his money. I think he lost the next one at 16. He didn't go to 32 or anything. And he said, that's it. And, and he walked away with a lot of these teal, the like my shirt, colored chips, which are 5,000. He had two racks of them. And uh, we go to the... Uh, cash him in and, and the cashier said driver's license please he says what are you yeah. talking about he says i need your driver's license more than ten thousand. he says you got to have it and he went back and forth back and forth he says assist on the driver's license he says okay you stay here with the chips so i had to protect about two hundred thousand dollars worth of chips while he went back up into that tower all the way you're in the safest back. place in the world yeah you're in the safest place in the world but the whole thing there was you learned about comps and you try to turn a little bit on the Vegas or on Mohegan Sun or Connecticut. You, you definitely want to use those comps, but um, you want to do things on your own time. What he yeah. told me is that they do all these things because their real gaining factor is time. You know, when you see people, I always ask people when you when you play craps, when you play poker, well, not poker, when you play blackjack and roulette, how long? Oh, I'm there all day. There's no, there's no way you and I know all day. You're never going to win. No, you have they to love know you. when your streak is and collect. And maybe you just got back to even after you hit five blackjack hands in a row for 500 a piece, but you were down 2,500, right? And you came back to even, maybe that's the best you're going to do all day long. And you've done that. You've walked away, right? Yeah. Best blackjack player I ever saw was a guy named Gary from Detroit. And I saw him get wiped out. I mean, he had some real bad luck and he stayed, he, I thought of him forever, ice in his veins. 
I left him at probably two in the morning and he was down to near broke. I came back down the next morning. He was sitting at the same blackjack table. As it turns out, he was back at that blackjack table. He went bust. Uh, he His credit line had run out at the Desert Inn. He went downtown where he had an old $5,000 credit line at the Golden Nugget. He said, I hit a streak. I came back here. I'm, I'm, I'm sitting there next to him. He's got $96,000 in front of him now. 96000 <clears throat> And he looks at the dealer and says, uh, I got 96000 here. What do you think would be a good number to quit? The dealer says, well, 100000 is a good round number. And Gary looked at him and said, it sure is. But 96 is fine. Cash me out. Was he? Uh, and I learned he that, you know, that's was a, that was business? a smart guy. He, he had hit bottom and came back, saved himself. He, his profit was probably over 50 grand. Oh, why go for another 4,000? You're just going to you go down to 92. Then you're going to still chase 100. No, no, no. Get up and go. He's a different kind of gambler, too. He's the guy that could play a long session where he recognizes there's going to be three or four. Um, streaks yep and and you know i when you I, hit that streak that i i love poker now i, I don't play the other games anymore yep. but in my life there's 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 really nothing like killing a roulette number right as as frequently as that or infrequently as that happens but hitting a streak in blackjack where you're progressive betting and the dealer keeps busting and you're hitting blackjack and maybe you're playing multiple hands that is just you know nirvana for a little while i yeah, was in well, vegas at the desert inn years ago with a good friend and i was playing a hundred dollars a hand table and i had every hand at the table and i went through nearly two shoes winning i'd say four or five hands every time it was ridiculous i was standing back directing the, the dealer like i was you know a, a, music, a conductor hit nice it stuff. hit it double down it was crazy and then finally the pit boss came over and said you know you can't play all six hands. I was like, why not? He says, other people are waiting to play. I said, there's nobody waiting to play. And I had a friend. I said, all right, so cash me out. And the guy goes, well, wait a minute. What we can do is we can let your friend play three of the hands and you play three of the hands. And my friend, God bless him, looked at the guy and says, I don't gamble. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. And what this guy did for me was it was great. I cashed out for a big profit. I was a little pissed off that he interrupted the game because I was having fun. But you get out of that little magnet area there, so you're not in the grasp anymore. You know, 50 feet from the table, I was like, "Hey, I got a lot of money in my pocket. I'm I'm actually grateful to the guy for breaking the game." Did a favor, yeah. Did a favor. I hit three numbers in a row in the only casino in New Orleans, and uh, on the roulette wheel. On the roulette number, yeah. I hit 18. I doubled hit up my bets. I hit 18. I doubled up my bets, so I had four times the amount of money. And I won a, over a thousand bucks. And then they put a new dealer in and they said, spin it. Yeah. It's like what they they're just trying to disrupt. the. Yeah. The yeah. They're superstitious too. Right. So in the old days, they would, me, if a blackjack table get out was going board. crazy or a roulette wheel was going crazy, they'd relocate it. They put right. it in a different part of the casino. Well, and yeah, and this is when roulette wheels were more mechanical and they did have bends and there was a section where yeah. the, the the dealers the kept going games could tell you that the ball is falling in your section yeah hey, hey billy it's falling in your section because they yeah. were mechanical yeah. and uh they'd have to have somebody come in with a plane and a level and, yeah. and all that and you know and so what they did to me is i i covered say 12 or 13 bets i'm like i can only i got the money on 18 
And then I said, oh, I'm not going to, this is it. I, I'm, I'm so upset. I just put like 20 bucks on 18 and nothing came up in my numbers. And I said, good, cash me in. So they did. Yeah, exactly. Yep. And, and I, I exactly what you said. The moment I got six or seven feet away from that, that heater. That pull, yeah. Oh, I'm like, wow. 12, like a gravity, gravity. $1,600, right? You know, it's still true with me. I, you know, when I leave, when I leave the Mohegan sun, for instance, with a couple thousand profit or something like that, I'm like, I really want to keep playing, but you know, you get three miles away and you're like, Hey, I'm a couple grand up and I'm out of there. Best casino story. We've got a minute left. Give us your best casino story and we'll wrap this up. My favorite casino story. This is wild. I was out there for at the desert Inn to play golf in a, in a sponsored event by the casino where it's a great thing. And I ran into a guy who shot like a 73 on the course that day. His name was Tom. And I met him at the blackjack table and I was, I was in the uh, third base and the rest of the table was a guy that one guy and a bunch of girls who were celebrating their 40th birthdays. And I'm in the last seat. I'm about even, I got a thousand bucks. I've been sitting there for two hours and Tom comes down and he says, uh, I wish there was a seat. I said, well, I'll take this money and, and go with you. We'll go to another table. I said, well, you know what I'll do? I'll bet the whole thousand now. Either I win or I lose the thousand and then I'll move on. So he says, well, what if you get a double down? I said, I'm, it doesn't matter. I'm just getting 1,000. I'm either going to be I have 2,000 or zero and we'll move on. Sure enough, I get an 11. Tom's sitting next to me. He says, what are you going to do? He's sitting at the, you know, sort of behind me. I said, I'm just going to, you know, take a hit. No double down. So the, so the woman on my right has a 13 and I, and I end up, like I say, with the 11 and, and Tom says to me, you're going to double down. I said, no, I'm just going to, I'm just going to play the thousand, you know, <clears throat> so the woman can't decide whether she wants to hit or not. She's wavering back and forth. And finally she says, okay, hit me. So the dealer starts to hit her and she says, wait, wait, wait. And snaps. The, so the dealer snaps the card back, but it flashed. I saw it. I said to Tom, did you see it? He said, yes. Yeah. I said, it was a 10. He said, yeah. The woman finally decides to stay, no hit. The dealer looks at me and says, uh, what are you doing? I said, you know, I need a, I need a $1,000 marker, but I'm gonna, I want to double this down. It, it, it was automatic, an automatic win. It was, you know, the only time ever in Vegas where the chance was gone. I mean, there was a risk making the $1,000 bet in the first place, but Nothing's going to beat me when I when I'm when I have an eleven and I see a ten. It's going to be twenty one. I could get tied, but most most likely I'm going to make double my money, which is which is what happened. I felt a little guilty, but I could live with it. Uh, they're 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 willing to let that go for the long term. Uh, but the story you've told that how many times? Hundreds or thousands? Hundreds. Of times? Yeah, yeah. 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 And is that in C Connecticut or in Vegas or somewhere else? That was at the Desert Inn. Yeah. yeah. Most of my, most of my favorite events happened at the Desert Inn, although I did have a big night on with with my wife. We were on our way home and we were on the the, um, the red eye out of America West flying out of Vegas. So we went and checked in at eight o'clock, nine o'clock at night. And then we went back to the Tropicana to kill a couple hours rather than stick around at the airport. And I went on a streak there. Never before, never since have I come close to this. Strangers were kissing me. <laughs> we 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 had a, I had so much money on the 29. There was a stack probably this high on the on number 29 on the roulette wheel and it hit. People were kissing me. I, you know, I, I told my wife, you know, why don't you go 
and I'll take a flight tomorrow because I don't want to stop this streak. She's like, no way. I said, look, I'll give you all, all the money I want. You can take it with you. She's like, no, no, no. And she was right. And again, I got out of that magnetic pull. I had, you know, I kept sending her to the window to cash these black chips. I didn't know till I got home how much money I had. I, it was too much to count. I couldn't even fit it in my pocket. I was stuffing it in my bag. <laughs> it was a great, a great few hours, including getting four races on a video poker machine with a lot of money up. So that that was close to five grand on its own. So that was a great night. Well, people, it was a great town. I wish it was the same. Well, we can we'll do another episode, uh, kind of uh, the newer vegas or the newer casino comps and stuff like that we're, we're referring to a few years ago maybe decades ago but what people don't realize with roulette you and i have played that at an intense level uh, at one point we thought we had a system or at one point we thought the wheel was uh off kilter in our advantage and that yeah. was mechanical and slot machines were mechanical too and they would they would tilt and they would pay off at a higher rate and things have changed in that regard but what people don't realize in roulette, unlike any other game, I haven't seen it, is like when you're hitting and you've got the 29, which is on the right side in the middle, and you've got all those chips. And let's say your chips are teal blue, right? Yeah. Everybody there, there's women with mink stoles and yep. guys with T-shirts, <laughs> and they're all going over you like this, and they're putting it on top, and things are spilling, and you know, and, and that's why that tower gets so big. And that's why it's euphoric, right? Yeah, absolutely. Kissing you might have just put a dollar chip there and got yeah. $35 back. Meanwhile, you've got $4,279 on that. And the whole, the whole place is reached. Everybody at the table had it because they saw they saw I was on a hot streak. So I'm serious. Strangers were kissing me. And that, you know, that's happened at the craps table. And, it's, and, and it happened that and night. Ten times the amount of people wanted to be on that number. But yep. it was five deep and you couldn't get anywhere near you. You really couldn't bruise anybody to get near the stack. No, not, right? not when the table's going. I saw a craps table like that one night. In fact, I wasn't on it. I was three deep watching it. I offered a guy $500 for a spot. He was like, get the bunk out of here. <laughs> not a chance. <laughs> this guy made this guy. They were calling him sleepy. He made it was ridiculous. He had he was throwing the dice for 40 minutes that I watched and I got there during his streak. And he finally throws a seven. He's out. They pass the dice to the next guy. You can't fit another person at this table. They pass the dice to the next guy. He passed, passed, passed. All the way back around to Sleepy. I was, holy, whatever. I never saw that before. And the guy says, that's the second time we've done that with Sleepy. <laughs> I was like, wow. Guy I mean, when that happens, Vegas, you know, Vegas feels two ways about that. They love that because they know the crowd's going to get all into it. And, you know, the, the mood and everything like that. But they got hit for a lot of money that night on that table. I mean, they got oh. it back. Like, like a dealer once said to me, we never lose because we never run out of money. To me, it's like the same thing with slot machines making big noises when they pay off big. They want that. And they want yep. that crap table. They want that roulette table. They sure. want blackjack. They announced it over the loudspeakers. Another yep. jackpot winner at the Mohegan Sun, you know? Yeah, but the, you don't have to do that with a hot roulette table or craps table. There's enough noise there to get. There's going to be a cheers. Yeah, everybody comes over to see what's going on. Like you were yep. there, you couldn't get yep. in. Yeah. Oh, this is great. All right, so we'll wrap this up, but we'll promise to do another episode, maybe in with the Las Vegas sign in color or Mohegan sign in color, and we'll bring some color into comps and. Yeah, and a little history. You know, some of the great places that are no longer there. The Desert Inn, for one, was you know. An awesome place. It's now Wynn is there, but which is another awesome place. But it's not 
the history is gone. It's not the same place. It's not the same kind of stories. You know, it was a different world and it was great. But yep. that's true with, with a lot of things. When we do the next episode, coincidentally, my first experience at Las Vegas 40 years ago was at the DI, the Desert Inn. And uh, there was more characters at the Desert Inn than any of these other places because of the cachet and the lore. And yeah. you know, back 40 years ago, that was the place for a guy like Willie Mays to go by. Or I played craps with Arnold Palmer at the Desert Inn. That, that's pretty know? good. He was losing. In fact, we were supposed to have dinner. And when, when our dinner reservation time came up, he was like, sorry, partner, I'm, I'm not going to dinner till I get my money back. So. Thanks for joining Billy us Casper. today. Billy Horner. We really appreciate your Double feedback. Indemnity. And please Marky. subscribe to Two the show Ritter. and hit Claude the bell Harmon. icon so you get notified Movie classics. new episodes. Mark Gable. Hit them hard job. and hit them off. That's 36 holes.